Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. With a sermon for Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, here's the Reverend Ruth Carell. When a story begins, once upon a time, we know what to expect. The story to follow will have three segments, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, the Three Little Pigs, and Jack the Giant Killer's Three Trips up the Beanstalk. And we know the story will end, and they all lived happily ever after. Even though several of my university professors proclaimed that the Bible is full of such tales, today's gospel is not a make-believe story. It did not happen once upon a time, but six days before Passover. Within a week of this event, Jesus will be dead, Jodas will be dead, and the home in Bethany will be deserted. A tradition of the Eastern Church says that the three fugitive siblings eventually ended up on Cyprus, where Lazarus became a bishop. He still did not live happily ever after. Ask any bishop. John did not write a predictable fairy tale but he did write carefully constructed accounts in an exacting literary form similar and familiar to his readers. It is called a chiasmus, named after the Greek letter X, that looks, chi, that looks like X. Authors from the Old and New Testament and from Homer to Dr. Zeus often use chiastic structure. In a chiasmus, the first half is mirrored symmetrically with the second half. Quick example, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The repetition from the first to second half makes it easy to memorize. Poetry, song lyrics, and stories that use the chiastic structure linger in the brain. Now, the composition of longer accounts demands intense planning ahead of time to follow the required symmetrical sequence. The easiest way to spot a chiasmus is to notice the similarity between the beginning and the ending. Then head for the midpoint, which is the key, the turning point, the crux of the story. Reading a a chiasmus is a little like taping aim with a rifle. To hit your target, you sight through the scope, adjust for clarity, and then there are crosshairs in the lens of the scope, and you point those crosshairs exactly to your target. And that is where the, the target and the bullet wants to go. To understand the key to a a chiastic story, direct your target to the crosshairs of the X or the chi. This middle part illuminates the whole. Here's another quick example. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The target is the hinge of the story, the key to its meaning. It may reveal premeditated motives and deliberate intentions, 
the wisdom or folly that drives the action. Now, I've avoided the gospel as long as I can. I was not happy when I discovered that this story forms a chiasmus. I wanted to talk about sweet Mary, and I will, but she is not John's focal point. Now, look at the gospel in your bulletins. It is divided into eight parts because it is a chiasmus. Now, the first part that begins with number 57 goes with the last part, which starts with number 10. The second part and, uh, is about the party that was formed at Bethany, and it matches with the session next to last, which begins with the number nine. The third section is about Mary's gift of perfume. It begins with number three, and it matches with the verse that begins with number seven, where Jesus responds to her gift. But the dead center is a start, start that starts with four and with six about Judas Iscariot. That is the pivotal point of this story. And it is the closest look we will ever get at the heart of Judas. Now, everyone in the story, including the author, had a plan except poor Lazarus, swimming in a fishbowl in front of curious onlookers. But he would shortly need a plan. In John's Gospel, John systematically turns up the heat of his plot through seven miraculous signs Jesus did to reveal that he was the Son of God. Now, nobody took real offense at water being turned into wine at a wedding. The early signs generally took up place up in the North Galilee where the country bumpkins lived. And only a few people witnessed these signs except for the feeding of the 5,000 and people quickly forget a free meal. <laughs> Not me, I don't like them. <laughs> but when Jesus healed in Jerusalem, the religious authorities had already been alerted and wanted to kill him. They interrogated the man born blind and healed on all days of all, the Sabbath, and kicked him out of the temple. The resuscitation of Lazarus after four days in the tomb was the straw that broke the, corm the camel's back. It took place in Bethany, just two miles from Jerusalem, at a prominent suburban home with respectable affluent mourners looking on. No one lets power slip from their hands without a fight. In an me emergency meeting of the council after the event at Bethany, the high priest spoke for the majority, but not all the members of the council when he said, it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. But they couldn't figure out how, when, and where to do the deed, preferably with only selected witnesses and quickly before the people could know. Judas was the answer to their evil prayers. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark report that immediately after Judas left the home in Bethany, he went to Jerusalem to set up the betrayal deal for 30 pieces of silver. 
John's readers already knew this, so he did not need to repeat it. Instead, he turns his readers to Judas at dead center of this crucial pivot point in the gospel. Some of you have known a person who drove themselves or their souls into ruin. Perhaps you were the one, or perhaps long time ago you were the one, but you've met Christ since then. Such people worry us, scare us, and eventually haunt us. Judas enviously craved the attention and affirmation Jesus gave to Mary. The religious leaders, unable to match the power of Jesus, clung jealously to their power. Jealousy, clinging to something we fear will be taken from us, and envy, craving something someone else has that we want, are dangerous emotions. And if left untreated, they can be terminal. Lenten discipline calls us to examine that which we crave and to which we cling. So why did Mary spill out a year's wages? This is tax time. You know how much that was. This was a sought-after healing, healing oil that preserved the body. I don't know, but I can offer three speculations. Speculation number one. When Jesus failed to show up in time to heal Lazarus while he was still alive, Martha greeted him with, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Separately, Mary greeted with him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Period. She wept, and Jesus wept with her. Did her faith finally surface? Because if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, certainly Jesus could evade death altogether. In that case, her ointment would not be needed. And so she gave it now. Option two, did somehow she intuit or realize that Jesus really was going to be lifted up? That was a euphemism for being crucified, and he had warned them. Then she would not be allowed to use her ointment to anoint his dead body. Crucified bodies were denied burial and left hanging on the cross as a warning to the public. And according to the theology of the day in Judaism, that denied the deceased person resurrection at the end of the world. Eventually, these bones were thrown outside the walls of Jerusalem in a perpetually burning dump heap from which we get the word hell. Third option. Initially, Mary did blame Jesus for, for the delay that caused Lazarus' death. But his miraculous answer to her prayer, she now realized had a huge price tag for Jesus. It would cost Jesus the shame of crucifixion and deny him resurrection at the last day. 
How could she live with the horror of her answered prayer on her conscience? Her sacrifice sounded a remorseful cry for mercy. Jesus' words to Judas, leave her alone, signaled a warning to Judas that he ignored. Jesus' protection and kindness filled Mary's spirit with gratitude and worship. And Jesus promised her that wherever the gospel was preached in the world, her story would be told in memory of her. The gospel is that Jesus takes the burden of our remorse and our guilt. And when her cry is echoed in our hearts, we have grasped the grace of the gospel. Every Ash Wednesday we hear these words. Listen up, it is a chiasmus. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Mary craved and clung to Jesus. She poured out her fragrance and received peace, God's shalom, in return. G Judas would pour out his silver coins on the temple floor to no avail. Choose carefully that to which you cling and that which you crave. Now I just can't resist this. <clears throat> this whole story is the beginning of another chiasmus that takes place just after Jesus' death when Nicodemus also gave a lavishly extravagant gift that was fragrant that he applied to the body of Jesus. It is another chiasmus, and during Holy Week coming up, you search for the, for the target in chapters 14 to 17. It begins with the famous words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And it ends at chapter 17 with Jesus praying for our behalf Quote, so that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. It is for us that the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that Jesus came. And dead center is the cross where we receive his grace and forgiveness. And it was for this joy that was set before Jesus that helped him to endure the cross, disregarding its shame. And he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. We are loved. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As always, please be well, stay safe, and God bless. Amen.